Good morning, Pathway Church. Whew. You know, some days you just like dream of what heaven's going to be like. And man, if it's anything like we just had worship, then I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to, I'm ready to see it. Amen. Amen. Uh, so if you're new here, we just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. My name's Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you are new here, just come back next week when Pastor Brian comes because <laughs> I'm probably going to screw something up um, or something. Uh, no, we have a lot of fun around here. We love to laugh. Uh, we, uh, or at least I consider, uh, this is a huge family. And so we want you to be a part of this. Um, some others may say different about me, but that's okay. But uh, we, we just love to have fun. Um, but also we love to worship. We love the word and we love the Lord. And so we're just going to kind of do that today. And if, the, if this is your millionth time here, same thing. We're, we're ready to roll and see what God has for us. So uh, I brought a friend with me today. And um, how many of you have ever used one of these? Anybody? Yeah, a couple of you. First off, I know what you all are thinking as you're all out there praying for me right now. You're saying, where did Nate steal that cart from? See, we've, we've, we've been here, done this, right? So if this is your first Sunday, you already know that, you know, what they're thinking about me. But um, I just want to say thank you to the Keens and Village Beach Market. I did not steal it. They allowed me to use it for this time, all right? So this is important because I know y'all are thinking I went down to like Target or Walmart or somewhere and stole this from them. Um, but this is one of the nicest carts that I've ever seen. So I'm going to try not to mess it up. But you're saying, Nate, what are you going to do with that? Well, one, I got your attention, a big red cart, right, you know? So I don't know if you've ever heard of the shopping cart theory. I don't know if anybody out there has heard of this, but it's, it's intriguing, and people spend their life with this, okay? Um, so it's crazy. So there's a little shopping cart picture, and you'll see that. But then there's something that's very important that we all have a huge decision, and it's the next picture. Here's the next picture. Okay. So the shopping cart theory is this. When you're done with this little friend of yours, what do you do with it? All right? That's the shopping cart theory. Now, there are people, no, no lie, and this is, I wish he would give me some money for, for saying this, but there's a guy on YouTube. He's called Cartnarks. That's his name, Cartnarks. He goes around the whole country and, and, and goes to grocery stores and videos people if they don't take their shopping cart back. That's what he does, and he makes a lot of money doing that. It's crazy, isn't it? So better look out. He might show up to Vera one time. But the shopping cart theory says a lot about who we are. Are you the person that returns it back to the corral or to the little thing, whatever you want to call it? Are you that person? Maybe you're the, like, really, really spiritual person, and you take it back in the store, you know? Some of you like, yeah, that's me, that's me, that's it. So that's awesome. Now here's the question, when it's like hurricane season, the rain's coming in sideways, do you take it back in the store? You know, that's between you and the Lord. Or are you the person that leaves it in the, the parking spot next to you, and then, you don't raise your hand, because we're praying for you. If you're the person that leaves it in the handicapped parking spot, yeah, see, we better, we can just end the service right here, just end the service right here. But here's the classic, right? Here's the classic one. I'm just going to put it right up here on this little curb, right? You know where the little grass area is? You just, you, just, you just hang it out right there. 
you know, they'll get it. And then, you know what, not that I've done this, right? But anyhow, <laughs> but there's already like 10 around there. So you're like, oh, they got to come and get those anyhow, right? But yeah, we're, we're, we're telling on ourselves. Here's the whole thing about this and where we're going to get to. It's this. Now listen for a minute. We're using the shopping cart theories, just kind of having some fun and where we're going to go and just hang on with me as we get through all this. But what happens in life is the same kind of thing as we think about this little funny shopping cart is this. We're in this new series called Thrive, When Chaos Meets Jesus. But what happens is, is this, is what happens is, is that for many of us, we have our own cart, right, in our life. We have our own cart that we put all of our chaos in, and we push it around, even though maybe we don't realize we're pushing it around. And we got a full cart of chaos, and for many of us, what happens is, is this, and this is where we're going to go. For many of us, our full cart of chaos, we just leave it for other people to deal with. And so what happens is, is that we just fill up our cart and we'll just leave it for someone else to deal with. Someone else will take care of it. We're just going to leave it out. And then what happens is, is this, is that for some of us that we're kind of going along and things are good. And you know what? We put our carts back. We've done everything the right way. But guess what? You go and it's pouring down rain and you want that front parking spot. But someone else left their chaos. Now their chaos has went on to you. Come on now. It's a silly illustration that now when you go back to the grocery store, you won't be able to forget. But that's where we're going, and that's what we're talking about. And that's where, what we're trying to see is, is this, is that there's a lot of chaos in a chaotic world out there. But here's what I love. I love our new series. I love the Thrive and all about the whole thing about where our chaos meets Jesus. But here's the fact, Pathway Church, is this. If we want our chaos to meet Jesus, we have to meet with Jesus. Because what I love about us, I'm talking about me, just Nate, no one else. What I love about me is, is this, is like, Jesus, will you just take care of it? And we just like push it and kind of walk away, right? Will you just take care of it? Just take care of it. I'm going to fill it up. I'm going to kind of leave it for other people to deal with, and you take care of it. And I've never spent any time with Jesus, but I want him to take care of my chaos. And so you're like, Nate, where's that going to go? So I'm going to give you a lot of information. And this whole title today is Hope Lives. And we're going to go through 1 Peter, and we're going to go through it in the next few weeks. And Pastor Brian's going to probably get me in trouble because I'm really not going to say much about it today, but I want you to get it. And we already talked about it. We're just having fun. But I want to talk about Elijah for a minute. And I'm going to give you some background, and I'm going to give you some information, and just kind of bear with me, hold on for a little bit, think about where we're going and what's happening, and just listen to some of the things that Elijah was going through. So Elijah, as we kind of meet up, and I'm going to give you a background, then we're going to get into the Word, and we're going to read some scriptures. Listen to this. So Elijah, up to this point, he has been the only prophetical check against the most wicked king and queens in Israel's history. Most of his ministerial career has been about avoiding death by their hands and repeatedly being ignored by the people as he proclaims God's word over and over again. God even sends a severe drought to the land to try to get the people to repent without success. This all comes to a head when God has him directly confront the idolatrous religious leaders of the false god Baal in a dramatic showdown on Mount Carmel. Now listen to this. Get this. Elijah proposes a contest, and we'll get to this. I'm just giving you the background. They both build altars for a burnt sacrifice of a bull, one for Baal, one for God. Whichever God answers by miraculously setting the altar on fire is the true God of Israel. Some of you may know this story. For some of you, this is the first time. That's why I want to give you the information. 
The prophets of Baal go first. They yell and scream and even cut themselves trying to get their false god to respond, but nothing happens. It's chaos. Elijah prays one prayer, and God answers with fire from heaven, which consumes the whole altar. The people admittedly turn away from Baal worship and execute the false religious leaders. There's revival in the land. You know where I'm going, some of you. After the confrontation at Mount Carmel, God tells Elijah to pray for rain, which he does, and the drought ends. Elijah is riding high. All of his work and all of his effort is finally paying off. He is seeing the reward of his labor. Things are looking up. And now you know where I'm about to go. Then chaos. Somebody may know this name, but the name Jezebel. Chaos is sending assassins to kill him, to kill Elijah, and the revival he thought he had started is over as well. Elijah is devastated. He is exhausted. He is emotionally spent and now spiritually empty. Have any of you in the church today, you don't have to say if you don't want to, have had that happen. You're riding an emotional high and then the chaos. You're just doing a great thing at Publix. You're out even maybe getting something for the church at Walmart and somebody else has left their chaos for you to deal with. You're riding high. Elijah runs into the desert and is provided for by God and sends an angel to feed and strengthen him and tells him to keep going. For 40 days, he journeys further into the wilderness until he finds a cave to rest in. Elijah is alone in the dark. It's cold, and it matches his spiritual condition at this point. We're going to pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 14. I gave you some background Now listen to these verses, and we're going to kind of talk briefly about a few things and see where the Lord takes us. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 14, God's word says this. There he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. You know where I'm going with this. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, and behold, there came a voice to him and said, what? Are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. This is God's word for God's people. Dearly Father, may we hear what you want us to hear today. In the midst of the chaos, may we hear your whisper. In Jesus' name, amen. 
The first point being the question, what are you doing here, Elijah? How strange of a question was that? Wasn't it God who led him there? Why is an all-knowing God asking what seems to be an obvious question? So when God is asking Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? It isn't so much a question to his location, but to draw him out of what? His feelings, his chaos, his actions, his circumstances that led him there. And Elijah responds in anger. I've been very zealous for you, the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and they are trying to kill me too. Basically, the paraphrase being this. I've done everything you've asked me to do, and everything I've done, it's only made life worse. It's only made life worse, and God, it's because of you and what you've done in my life. Has anybody here maybe felt like that? You felt like Elijah. I've done everything you've asked me to do, Lord. I've done everything that you've told me to do. And all it's done is created chaos in my life. Even Jeremiah, you think about, he had that similar experience in Jeremiah 27. He said, you deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. But this is where also Elijah is. There's the same attitude and a lot of frustration in his answer to God. In essence, Elijah is asking, God, what possible benefit comes from me serving you? All it's done and all you've done is make my life worse. It's not an explanation that Elijah is giving. It's an accusation against the goodness of God. And here's what happens is is this. In our chaos, I believe that there's something called emotional dust. There's this emotional dust that happens in our chaos, in our lives, and when the emotional dust starts to stir up a little bit, and it gets kind of in our eyes, it gets in our life, it gets in our way, it happens, and so we become angry, we become bitter, we become mad, we become sad, all the things that you can think of because of the emotional dust, because of the chaos that's in our life, and we're saying, God, I've done everything you've asked me to do, and the only thing that's happened is life has gotten worse. And you're saying, Nate, what in the world does that have to do with me? Where does that fit into my life? And so what I think is interesting is this, is that, and I wasn't going to share this necessarily, but I feel like the Lord's saying do it. Same thing, kind of just so you're like, man, Nate, you don't know what I'm going through. Now, this is nothing compared to some things, but let me tell you as I'm preparing for this message about chaos, all right? Just hear me out. I promise I'm not making this up, all right? So on Tuesday, I wake up, I got a flat tire on my car. Then on Wednesday, I get a call from Wendy. She's over on 12th Street. Guess what? She's got a flat tire. Now, hold on now. I've had to live out the chaos already this week. But then on Friday, I get a call, and Wendy says, yeah, the cars broke down. No joke. I went into that place, that shop, for the third, third time. The guy thought I was literally joking when I came in the third time. He's like, Nate, you're serious that your car is broke down? You've already been here for two flat tires on two different cars? I said, Here I am. It's me. He thought I was joking. Because the second time I went in for the flat tire, I said, as much as I love y'all, I hope I don't have to see you again. And he thought I was coming in to just joke with him. And I was like, nope, I need this car fixed. And so just so you know, in my own life, just this week, the emotional dust was stirring. Now, God, you want me to preach about chaos, 
And now I can't even focus. I'm at the shop more than I'm at any, even at home. I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. Now, I share that story because we've all had the chaos this week. We've all filled up our cart. We've all either dealt with it or we've left it somewhere. But this is what happens, and this is obviously where we're going to go, but then God shows up. And that's what happens to Elijah here. God showed up. Elijah, go stand by the entrance to the cave because I am is about to pass by. There was wind, but God was not in the wind. With the almighty display of power, God that showed his servant his presence wasn't felt. Suddenly the mountain quaked hard. There was an earthquake. God wasn't in the earthquake. God wasn't in the fire. God was in the whisper in the midst of our chaos. We want God to take care of our chaos, but we got to be meeting with Jesus so he can hear and know our chaos. And not only that, but we can hear the whisper. We can hear the whisper. There's something about it. Elijah covered himself. There's something about when you're in the presence of the Lord, when you're in solitude with the Savior, when you're in that moment and you can hear the whisper. There's something about it. Even Elijah hid himself. Why? Because when you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, when you're in the presence of Jesus, you can't do nothing but give everything that you have. Give him, give him your anger. Give him your bitterness. Give him your sad moments, your mad moments. Give it all to him. There's nothing else you can do when you're in solitude with the Savior. And you say, take my chaos. Take my chaos, take everything that I have, everything that it is. I'm not worthy of anything. Will you just take it all? I'm not worthy of it, but please take my bitterness, take my anxiety, take it all. And Elijah in this moment, Elijah in this moment is that spiritual transparency that he knew that he couldn't hide anything else from God. He saw every blemish, he saw everything. And when we meet with Jesus and we're in solitude with the Savior, here is our chaos. Will you take it? Will you do something with it? I'm tired of carrying it around and pushing it around. And not only that, I'm tired of leaving it up on the curb for everybody else to deal with. God can't answer our questions until our heart is right to receive them. It's that solitude. It's that moment that Elisha has in that moment that he's saying, the emotional dust of everything that's happening and the chaos, I need you. I need the presence of the Holy Spirit to come into my life. I need that moment with Jesus. I need it. I need him to take care of my chaos. I need him to take the anger, the disappointment, the hurt, the frustrations, the things that happened to me years ago that I never let go of. I keep putting it back in the cart and I keep leaving it for everyone else to deal with. And obviously we know whatever's not healed is handed down. And so we hand it down to a friend, a kid, a parent, a grandparent. We just keep handing it down generation to generation. And he's saying, will you just have solitude with me? Because yes, there's chaos in your life. Yes, there's chaos in the world. Yes, you have all these things. Will you have solitude with me to where you can hear the whisper? And so the second thing as we get through this, I got to keep moving here, is God's provision First, Elijah got to see it first in his own life. Just listen to these. There'll be some things on the screen. God knows when we are at the end of ourselves. Mm, you got to listen to that. He knows when we are at the end of ourselves. That's when you're going to be driven to a place like Elijah of solitude and to all of that anger, disappointment, and even rage can be worked out until you are able to hear God's Whisper again because the emotional dust that's in your life, it's stirring. But during that time, God will supply the means to get us 
to where we need to go, solitude. But to get there, we have to trust him that he will supply the spiritual strength. God will give you just enough to get you to the place where you are just so alone, so empty, and you're so ready to receive him. I shared this last time, but it was something about a few months ago. I felt that emptiness. And I remember a spiritual mentor said to me a long time ago, he said, Nate, you can go on your own stuff, your own strength for as long as you can, but there will be a moment when God will put you on your back to where the only place you can look is up. And I've never forgotten that. A few months ago, he did that to me. You know, I'm kind of going along, just barely pushing my little cart, doing my thing. And he put me on my back to where I was like, oh, it's just me and God. (laughs) I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to turn to. Because we're good at like what? Staying busy and not being solitude. We're good at making sure we don't maybe hear the whisper because we're not sure what God's maybe going to say to us, right? We're not sure what the whisper's going to say, so we're good at keeping busy. We're good at making sure we have noise because if the enemy can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. If the enemy cannot make us bad, he'll make us busy. And what happens is, is that when there's no other moment and you're so lonely and maybe you're so to a point where I have nothing and you feel like Elijah in that moment, I've done everything you've asked me to do, Lord. I've done everything that you've told me to do, but yet we still don't want to hear the whisper. Because why? Because we hate this. We hate when it's silent. We hate when it's quiet. And when you think about it, when's the last time you ever got so silent you didn't hear anything? Because we even hear now. Some of you hear people's stomachs growling, obviously. Some of you hear the phone buzzing. We hear fans going, AC going, lights humming. Think about your house. Where is it that you find solitude? Where is it that it's silent? We hate at times the silence because we love to stay busy. We love to get the information that we need to say, you know what? I'm doing okay. (laughs) My neighbor's got the big cart. I just got one of those little things that you carry when you get like two items. That's all I got. So I'm good. I'm just going to keep just filling my life with all these things to where maybe I'm not going to hear the whisper. I'm going to keep filling my life with all these things. But here's the difference, something about being silent. You're saying, Nate, what about the whisper? Now, I don't know all the things, but I love that Elijah was quiet enough to hear the whisper. There's something about a whisper, right? If you've ever had the privilege and honor to be able to have that first moment with a child, what is it you do? You look at that child and you say, I love you. There's something special about a whisper. What is it when you slip out of your kids' room and you're about to like turn the lights off? I love you. And if you ever had to go through that moment where you've been holding someone's hand as they slip into eternity, you get right next to them, right in their ear, and you say, I love 
that is what our Savior wanted to do for each one of us to where we would take enough time in the midst of the chaos of the world, in the midst of all the stuff we're dragging and pushing around, just let me have a moment and hear me in the whisper so we can have a moment I can just tell you, I love you. I love you. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter if you've created the chaos. Doesn't matter what's happened in life. Doesn't matter how someone's treated you or how you've treated somebody. I just want a moment in solitude with you. I want to take care of your chaos and just let you know I love you. But what happens is, is that we get really good at making sure. For some of us, we love kind of in that emotional dust we love when it's stirring. That's the only thing that we feel like we can be good at, right? There's been moments where we've been told, you got to live in drama. you got to live in this stuff. And what happens is, is that we get into Facebook instead of getting our face in the book, right? We get into all the drama. We get into the CNN and the Fox News and to the, all the other social media, and, and we get noise, right? We're getting noise. We love noise. And we love just keep carrying our chaos. We love keep pushing it around. And we miss out on those moments of just saying and hearing, I love you. And so the plan is, is this, is that God shows Elisha that his efforts are not in vain. Elijah still had a lot to do for the Lord, but he needed to do the right heart, or he needed to have the right heart to do it. God took him aside, gave him rest, and got Elijah's heart ready for the last days of his ministry before God would take him directly to heaven. But it couldn't have happened if Elisha had not heard God whisper his name, solitude with the Savior. We want chaos to meet Jesus. We better make sure we are meeting with Jesus. Some of you might be in a spiritual cave right now. You're tired. You're exhausted. You can't think of any reason to continue with Jesus because you keep pushing your cart and your chaos around, picking others up and leaving for others to deal with. The emotional dust has got you bitter, has got you angry, has got you sad, and has got you depressed. It is chaos in your chaotic world because we know we live in a chaotic world. But I'm telling you today, there's something my father-in-law said, and I want to quote him in this, and I love this, but when we have solitude with the Savior, when we're quiet enough, when we get rid of the distractions, when we have a moment with the Lord, solitude will give you the grace of God until the emotional dust settles and then you make a decision under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's where we got to get to, church. That's what we got to see. That's what we got to do. We got to quit pushing our chaos around to keep dealing with it, keep giving it to other people. We got to have solitude with the Savior to where we're saying, I want to hear the whisper. I'm done. I'm over it. And then we make decisions. We don't make decisions on what somebody else tells us that's on the TV. We don't make decisions on somebody else that tells us on social media. We make decisions because we spent time with Jesus and he gave us the, the things we need. Amen. Amen. But what happens is, is this, is that we have these moments and we're like, you know what? All I can do is live in drama. All I can do is live in chaos. And you're like, I strive in chaos. Man, that's a lie from the enemy right there. There ain't no chaos. If I have to go back to that shop again, I'm just going to leave my car there. They can just have it. 
I can't live in that chaos anymore. And so you're saying, Nate, what does that have to do with anything or where I'm at? I'm going to give you a few things, and then i got one other thing I'm going to wrap up with, where, no matter where you're at. But we're talking about this first Peter, and we're talking about thrive, and we're talking about where chaos meets Jesus. We have to meet with Jesus so he can take our chaos, so we can thrive. But in first Peter, when he's talking in first Peter chapter 3, verses 12, he's talking about this hope and how hope lives. And that's what we want, and that's where we're striving to do. But we're striving to have this solitude. Real quick, five things. Supplies for solitude. This is going to be simple. I'm going to give them to you quick. Five, five supplies for solitude. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how much time you spend with him. I don't know what it is. Just real quick. These are simple. A place and a time without distraction. Oh man. You're like, I'm already out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Do you realize I got like eight kids running around? You know, if you do, Lord Jesus, help them right now. <laughs> supplies for solitude. Obviously a Bible. Third one, pen, pad, phone. Fourth one, devotional. Fifth one, get comfortable, but don't get cozy. Come on now. We like, we like the, oh, I'm going to get up. I'm just going to get my coffee. I'm going to spend time with Jesus. And then you're like, oh, oh, I'm like dozing off now because you got cozy. There's something about it for me. And I'm going to tell you what I do. And you're going to be like, all right, whatever, Nate. Here's what I do. I get up extra early, which is the worst. All right. <laughs> I get up extra early and I walk and I pray and I read. Now for me, this is for me. Technology is great. I love it. I have my phone. Now, that's a tough one because you can get distracted. I'm just telling you, you can. And I'm not saying I don't. I got that ADD. I got squirrels and stuff and all that. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. I mean, sometimes the sunrise, the clouds are like, oh, and then you're like, oh, what was I doing? You know, like, but you got to have these moments. And so I love to just walk and pray, walk and pray. And then I just read on my phone. I'll just read, which gets kind of crazy because I'm always looking down sometimes and then, you know, it can run into things. So be careful. All right. But I'm telling you, listen to me. I'm telling you, the other day I'm walking and I'm praying and I'm having my solitude with the Savior. I'm going to tell you right now, not only did I have a flat tire that day, there's this person that pulled out in front of me. Gosh. I gave him a Jesus honk just to let him know. <laughs> let him know Jesus loves you. You know, it's like Morse code, you know, you just, that's it. And so, but I'm telling you, if I wouldn't have had my time with Jesus, whoo, and some of y'all got to deal with crazy people out there. Let's just be honest. You, you, you do. But this is so important. If we want to go through this sermon series and we want to talk about thriving and we want to talk about understanding and enjoying this hope that we talk about and that all these things, and we're saying, Jesus, just take care of my chaos. But we've never, ever meet with Jesus. How's he going to take care of our chaos? And so the question is, is this, is that where I feel that God's kind of sharing with me is, is this, is that we believe this lie. We've believed this lie that we got to live in chaos, that we got to live in this just constant, just moving and going and doing. And I'm guilty. I'm talking, I'm preaching to myself. So if no one listened to anything, I got it. All right. But it's just, we live in this, we live in this constant and this chaos and everyone's telling us that it's crazy. And we got to get to a point where we're meeting with Jesus. We got this solitude with the savior so much that we don't care what everybody else is saying. We're so close with Jesus and we can hear the whisper that we drown out about all the bad news about what's happening in America today. 
We can drown out all the bad news that's happening in our world today. Is it there? Is it real? Yes. I'm not saying that like, oh, look, let's all, you know, butterflies and rainbows and all come together. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when we have solitude with the Savior and we hear the whisper, we can knock it out. We hear all the bad things about our kids. What if we prayed to Jesus and had solitude and we took our kids back from the enemy? What if we prayed so much we took our marriages back from the enemy? What if we prayed so much and had solitude we took our country back from the enemy? What if we started doing that instead of saying, feed me more information, give me more bad news, come on, I'm ready to it, and we never spent any time with Jesus. We never had any solitude with Jesus. And so what we keep doing is we just keep pushing along with our fake smile. Yeah, I see you Sunday. Yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. And we keep pushing our chaos, and then we keep leaving it for everybody else to deal with. Now here's the deal. Hang on. I'm going to leave. Sorry, sorry Keens, you might not be getting that back. <laughs> I'm running out of time. This is the last few things. Next step questions, but I'm not done, so don't feel like you're ready to leave for early lunch. All right, hang on. What's causing chaos in your life? What chaos do I need to let go of to thrive? Why am I not in solitude with the Savior? What do I need to do to find solitude with the Savior? And where I meet Jesus and he meets my chaos. I want you to leave those questions up there. Man, I got out of breath pushing that cart down there. That's terrible. <laughs> now, I want you to get something. And I'm going to end with something because we're talking about this hope lives out of 1 Peter. This past Tuesday, I had the privilege, Brian allowed me to share with the staff where, where I was going today. Bless their hearts, they, they have to hear this twice, but so 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 they did this, and so we did something together because I was gonna have felt like the Lord was telling us to have this moment together as a church, and then I'm gonna share one last thing with you guys as we talk about thriving and we talk about hope lives and what he has for us. So we just kind of did an illustration of this, and then as a staff, we went around. And not actually doing it, but saying we're doing it. And we said, what chaos have we keep holding on to? Or what is the chaos in our life that we're going to put in this cart? And I use, sorry, uh, Keens, I use the illustration. Then we're going to push this cart in the lake down here or something, all right? Or set it on fire or something. But we're not going to do that because we're going to return it. So we went around as a staff and we just, man, it's a beautiful thing. And we were just vulnerable with each other about what we needed to put in here. And so I don't mean to, but it's like I tell our students, if I want you to be real, I got to be real. And so I got to thinking about what is it that, what is it that I keep pushing around that maybe I still haven't dealt with totally? And so there was things, and I just went. The first one I mentioned was just life's checklist. Get up, get the kids ready, pack lunches, do this, get them there, get them to school, get them to do the work, do that, go to there, make sure we do this, do that, boom, right? Just life's checklist, right? Boom. Let me have my moment in solitude with the Savior before I do anything else on my checklist. 
And then the second one was this, and I don't mind to tell you this, and some of you are not going to know any, anything about this, but that's fine. Some of you will, so I'm just being vulnerable. But I said in that staff meeting, and what I wanted to do was, I said, if there's any, any bitter root in me at all left from what has happened here at Pathway Church in the last three or four years, if there's any bitter root left in me, I want it in that cart. Because <laughs> God's done and dealt with that. But have I done and dealt with it, or am I still holding on to the bitter root and passing it on still without even knowing it? You see what I'm saying? So I'm just being vulnerable enough to you that that's what I put in it. And man, the staff went around. It was a beautiful thing. We prayed over it, and we did it. But I'm just going to tell you as we wrap up, I'm going to give you something. But in my solitude with the Savior, this is just what Jesus told me because the last couple weeks, we can joke about the car. We can joke about all these things, but the last couple weeks have been chaos. And I was doing my walk, and he just said, Nate, he said, it's going to sound simple to you, but he said, Nate, he's like, all I need you to do is just say my name. Just say Jesus. So when we were praying over there, I just started saying Jesus, 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 right? Because it's a name above all names. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess at the name of Jesus. And I was in that moment in the midst of my chaos and I was having that solitude because I was having some of my, you know, feel sorry for Nate moments, right? We've all been there. He's like, just say my name. Just say Jesus. And so in the midst of that, something came up, and I'm going to share this, and hopefully this makes sense as I wrap it up. But in the midst of that, and I didn't know how the Lord was going to leave me with this, and I got to go, but in the midst of all this chaos, and I was in that moment, he said, just say Jesus. And then Wednesday night, we get to come home and I was home from middle school students so it was about 9.30 and our little daughter Ava who's eight she said I want to talk to you and mommy and we're like okay so in that moment she said I want to ask Jesus into my heart So in the midst of the chaos, it's almost like God whispering, right? I love you. I, I, I got it. Just put it in a cart. Don't keep pushing it around. midst of the chaos. I love you. I got you. It wasn't in the wind. It wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in the fire. It was in the whisper. 
And so this is kind of where I'm going and where I'm sharing this moment as we wrap this part up and as we kind of just have this moment. This is from a sermon by a guy named Judah Smith. He's a pastor. If you know him, you don't like him, that's fine. That's between you and the Lord, whatever. He did something. I loved it, and I talked about it. But we're talking about hope lives. We're talking about this whole thriving. We're talking about this chaos. And he told and he shared this story about Barabbas and about Jesus and Pilate and this moment that took place. So I know I'm giving you like a lot of information and a lot of stories. I'm going to read the message that he wrote. So this is his. I'm going to quote him in this, and I'm going to wrap this up, and then we're going to sing together. But before we do that, if you need to kind of play on what we did as a staff, and you need to come and pretend to put something in the cart, then do it. But here as we wrap this up, if you need to come and know Jesus today, if you need to experience what in the midst of a chaos, but a little girl named Ava, that she came to know Jesus in the midst of all that, this is maybe what you need to hear to thrive in your life. This is maybe what you need to hear to start your solitude with the Savior in their life, to hear the whisper. This is what it says. We see this story of Jesus going to the cross. And everything seems to be kind of hand in hand. And there's this one character that seems to interrupt a little. His name is Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, the leader of an insurrection and a rebel. And why he's, he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not sure why he's mentioned. It's like this is about Jesus going to the cross. But no, it's a love story. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hands. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel, and says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He is a rebel against wrong, and he is a bad man, a thug and a crook. He deserves the chains. He deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free, open blind eyes and open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper? What has Jesus done? What do you want? We want Barabbas. Give us Barabbas, they say. Give us Barabbas. And the soldiers come up and they put the key in and they take his chains and unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform, welcomed by all his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. They love me. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience in Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now for you have set me free. No, you don't see any of that in Barabbas. God knew that Jesus stood there silent for he knew the will of his father. And he said, it's fine, father, let them have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, it was the love of the heavenly father. And when I look at the story, I realize who Barabbas really is. That's me. That's you. That's us. And I felt like I was reading this the other day and I felt God speak to me. I love Barabbas. I love him. And I wrestled a little, but God, he is a bad man. I love him and I wanted him to go free. But didn't you know that he probably would never acknowledge the free gift? Yeah, but I love Barabbas. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son for Barabbas. Even the one he knew would walk away from Jesus in his free gift and never come back. He loves him. And the nerve, the audacity of the believers to think 
I got saved by grace, but not by this in his deep, dark place of bondage. I better work hard to get myself out. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation and sin? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to shake and self my free, self, uh, myself free. Stop it. No, you won't. You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin. You will not overcome it, and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save you. There's only one that can save you, and he's the one that took our place. He's the one that stood on that platform with Pilate and said, Yes, let them have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on the platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas? And they start to take my chains off and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. And Jesus seemed to look at me and say, no, child, let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. And I say, no, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. I deserve it all. No, God, I'm so ashamed. He says, give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? He says, I'll still be here. Oh, God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I don't want to do this anymore. He says, everything will be all right. Just give me your sins. This is all we have. This is all I have. And this is all you have. We can play games. We can play church games. We can pretend like people are better than others and that's why they're blessed. Or we can all come to the honest conclusion that this is God and it's God alone, amen? The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion or your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing and living the gospel. God, could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous? so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, and so inclusive. Let me have your sin, my child, and I give him my sin, and I stand in this empty, empty space of forgiveness and accept while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him. I see him walking to the post to be whipped, and as I stand free as a child, all the attention is turned now, and I feel the love of God saying, come on now, come on. Come on now. He says, go, my child. Live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off thinking that we were going to set ourselves free? It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. His blood is sufficient for your salvation. His blood is sufficient to sustain you through every sin and every challenge and every temptation. Jesus is enough. My anchor to 
concern is whatever that thing is right now in your heart and mind that's bubbling up he's able he is able there's no situation or circumstance in your life that he is that is too big for him and he is faithful amen sing that chorus one more time great is your faithfulness to me believe it great is your faithfulness Faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. 
I just want to make sure that people would know that Pathway Church, we didn't just give Jesus our chaos. We meet with Jesus and we're so close to him that we can hear the whisper. And you can tell and you know when somebody's been with Jesus. If we could live that and give our chaos, then I believe we begin to thrive and understand and know about this hope that lives with inside of us. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you like never before as you go out and as you hand over your chaos and you meet with him and you have solitude and you enjoy that peace and quiet in those moments because we live in a very chaotic world. And so may he take your chaos. It's a beautiful day when we worship together. Like I said, if you're new, go to our Welcome Center. It'd be great to get to meet you. We're so glad you're here. Have an awesome week. We'll see you soon.